Hi, everyone. I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. And this is The Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So pull up a chair, put on your Dapper Meeple hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language. Also, Dapper Meeple hat, not required. Hey everyone, we're back again from the frosty metropolis of Philadelphia and PAX Unplugged 2022. On this episode, we're going to talk about all the sights and sounds that we experienced. New games, old games, and a chance run-in with Tom Vassell. We're also going to talk geek entertainment and what our nerd emperor is working on next. The Emperor Protects. All that and more on this episode of The Dapper Mutant. Hey, welcome to the Dapper Meeple's Christmas special. It's not really a Christmas special because we're going to do anything festive, but it's just because it's coming out at the end of December. Yeah, but the best part is it's not going to be like that other Christmas special. Definitely going to be better than that. And right. You, you all know which one we're talking about. Everybody knows. <laughs> so, all right, we, uh, we're back from PAX, which is going to be the big part of this show that we'll talk about later. Um, it's our third time there. It gets better every year. Yep, had a fantastic time. Uh, got back trying to get back in the swing of life with flu and kids and sickness and all those other wonderful things that uh, have been preventing us from getting together. We have a ton of games still to play. We had quite a big haul from PAX, uh, both games we bought, games we were given, right? which that was fantastic. So a lot of good stuff to get into. Uh, before that, though, there's been a ton of stuff going on just in the general like geek fandom world. Entertainment has gone geek, um, and it looks like 2023 is going to be a big year for it. With all of the, like, like Game of Thrones came out, and I think that was probably one of the biggest fantasy series, right, that's hit in years. But it wasn't really part of any particular fandom, right? Like, that yeah. was, it's, it's kind of its own thing. So much so that, you know, the books weren't even done when they started making the show. Yeah, yeah, which they're still not. Right. <laughs> but HBO <laughs> made a fortune off of it. Um, yeah. And they're continuing it on with, like, House of the Dragon, House series. Of Dragon series. There are so many other series. Uh, Lord of the Rings had a series this year. Yep. They were, for better or worse, like depending on who you talk to. Yeah, yeah. It really feels like we're moving into that kind of era where you're you're getting fantasy, like good fantasy, on the screen. Yeah. So we we look at you know years and years ago when Lord of the Rings first came out, which I think is like twenty something years now. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Time flies. Um, that was fantastic, but you didn't really see a like a big explosion off of it right you know and there have been some other notable kind of fantasy based series and shows and things that have come up i I think really marvel kind of started to break the mold and kind of let people know because i mean it's been running for what 10 years now at least strong probably pretty close i think a little bit more than that yeah i mean whenever iron man first came out right you know, right and they have seen the amount of money that geeks are willing to throw at things uh and i I think that's really kind of flipping over to the more like fantasy genre of things now when the comic book nerds got their stuff now it's time for us to get ours right you know so but yeah i'm excited to see there's a lot of really cool stuff coming out um one of the big ones of course is the D &D movie which honor among thieves uh which first of all phenomenal cast like been brought to my attention to the last D movie had a pretty good cast for its time as well and, <laughs> um it's got uh you know chris pines in it um 
uh, Rodriguez is in it. Uh, like there are big name actors that are doing a D and D movie, um, I, which I think is totally on brand. That one of the first things that happens is it has to get rescheduled. Yeah, right. Like they know their audience. Um, I know there's been a lot of complaints from that, uh, just from what people have seen for the trailers and stuff that put out. Somebody was saying something like it should be called Jokes and Monsters, and it's like, have you ever sat at a D and D table? Yeah, so far it's completely on brand for an actual D and D game. I mean, we we got we got the funny jokes there. There are a few moments of like heroism and stuff like that. Right. You know, a little bit of overarching, like kind of you know, big big planet story kind of thing. Um, but definitely jokes mixed in. And now we've had to reschedule the game at least once. So you know, <laughs> I, I, people have been arguing. Rules lawyers out there have been arguing about what can and can't happen. Oh yeah, like definitely. I, I think it's perfect. Uh, and that's one thing I know in our in our fandoms, like we like we carry the banner. There is so much that we do that like we'll start a fight. Yeah, I feel like we're we're very polarized. Like either a person loves something or they hate it. Right. There's not a lot of middle ground, but whichever side that they fall on, they will fight you for it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the Star Wars fandom, I think, is probably one of the best examples of just completely toxic fandoms because of that. You know, yeah. we talked a little bit about it. Like, there are people that love the prequels. There are people that hate them. Um, the the animated series, there's a back and forth about all of those. Um, and I think that's kind of spilling into especially D&D with its huge explosion that it's been on for the last 10 years. Like, 5th edition has yeah. just just completely rewrote the game. We were in Barnes & Noble the other day, uh, just shopping, because Christmas, and um, there's a huge, like, D&D display. Like, it's got all the books, it's got dice, it's got minis, you know. Yeah. Um, like, we're mainstream, right? Yeah. <laughs> Things like the show Stranger Things has brought it to the forefront. Yeah, there, there are so many kind of now pop cultural references that are including these fandoms. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is great. Like it's fantastic that we are we are in that point where the people in you know who are making these shows realize that there is money to be made, so they are going to keep making them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we just had um, the Dragon Age series came out on Netflix um, that follows the video games, which you know there are mixed reviews coming out about that. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, these kind of things years ago you would have never never heard of that. Right. I mean, the fact that they're they're making the series based on video games is cool, and some of them are being really successful as well. I mean, you got Critical Role breaking all kinds of molds with their series. Sure, yeah. I, I like you said before. I think Critical Role is one of the big reasons why we're getting this because they. I know that they shopped around their idea for a uh, animated series based off a D and D game, and a lot of uh, production companies on Hollywood were like, mm, I don't know if that's going to work, so they just went to Kickstarter. And raised eleven million dollars yeah. to do what they want, and now yeah. you know they're on Amazon. There's another season two, and I think they've already signed for season three as well. Yeah, um, we we love our fandoms. This is our thing, and we're finally getting a shot at it. Like you said, the uh, Dragon Age, the Castlevania was another one that yep. got an animated series that went well. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of really good media is coming out, um, and I, I think it comes down to you know the hobbies are growing. Like and reaching people who you would never expect them to reach. Right. Right. We we have the people who in you know years gone by would have never been seen at a D and D table at sure. least publicly for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, 
maybe in private, but it's it's become so much more accessible and people who it's not their thing are finding out that, oh, wait, this could be my thing. Exactly. Right? Yeah, right? Yeah. It's always fun when I know we've done a couple of learn to play games where people sit down and they're like, oh, like, th- th- this is what this is? Like, and they have fun with it. Yeah. Because... Yeah. You know, there's something about sitting around a table with people and making memories and telling stories um, just from the D&D side of it. But like it's huge. And I think Critical Role, like we said before, broke that mold for a lot of people. Because, again, you look at the Critical Role cast, like yeah. they're very attractive people. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> like all of them. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but then you actually learn about them. Uh, I know they did the series Between the Sheets, which mm-hmm. is still up. Um, you can go find that. And they basically do like an hour long interview. And they're all, they got all the same problems that we do. There are yeah. people. Yeah. They're, yeah, just, yeah. they're just like the prettier version of our people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you've, uh, I mean, we, we found these people. They, they are now in this hobby with us. We all have these shared experiences. And I mean, it's, it's a really good time to be a part of these fandoms. Yes, it is. And speaking of that, speaking of pretty <laughs> people who are part of our fandoms, uh, some big announcements came out recently uh, from our boy, Henry Cavill. Right, the nerd god himself. Um, like he, I think he's been embraced by the community, uh, just in general, like the geek community, for being open about his love of the stuff that he likes. Yeah, right. Like he is a big time gamer. Um, like there's the story where he almost missed the phone call to play Superman because he was in in the middle of a raid at WoW, playing WoW. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So a lot of people are like, oh, I get that. Um. He's a huge Warhammer fan, does his own minis, plays, and stuff like that. Uh, there's a infamous clip of him on the Graham Norton show. Well, Graham Norton was kind of being a dick, making fun of him, and he was like, yeah. no, man, this is what I do. And everybody else on stage is like, whoa, this sounds like something I want to do. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah. Uh, so, he left The Witcher because, uh, again, he is one of these people that he's an actor that is true to the source material. And the second season of The Witcher, I think, was trying to go a little off. Um, changing the story and i know that you know there are reports that he was like hey no that's on page like 225 that's not supposed to be that way he knew the ip he was a fan um and i think that's part of the reason that he may have left um he was supposed to go be superman again i guess is what they released in october and then now uh something changed at dc and he wasn't going to wear the cape anymore and real gracious about it too it is he's like hey my time has passed but i did get to do it and you know the ideas of superman live on yeah, and yeah. I've seen tons of posts about, you know, hashtag always our super band and shit like people <laughs> again in our fandom. Yeah. Yeah. That's the way it goes. <laughs> then it was announced. Uh, I think it was Friday um, that he has another project that he's working on. Um, and I'm going to start with this. It's the 41st millennium. For more than 100 centuries, the emperor has sat immobile on the golden throne of Earth. He is the master of mankind by the will of the gods and the master of millions of worlds by the might of his inexhaustible armies. He is a rotting carcass writhing with invisible power from the dark age of technology. He is the carrion lord of the Imperium for whom a thousand souls are sacrificed every day so that he may never truly die. Yet even in his deathless state, the Emperor continues his eternal vigilance. Mighty battle fleets cross the demon-infested miasma of the warp. The only route between distant stars and their way is lit by the Astronomicon a psychic manifestation of the Emperor's will. Vast armies give battle in his name on uncounted worlds. Greatest among his soldiers are the Adepta Astartes, the Space Marines, bioengineered super warriors. Their comrades in arms are Legion, the Imperial Guard, 
and the countless planetary defense forces, the ever-vigilant Inquisition, and the tech priests of the Adeptus Mechanicus, to name a few. But for all of their multitudes, they are barely enough to hold off the ever-present threat from aliens, heretics, mutants, and worse. To be a man in such times is to be among untold billions. It is to live in the cruelest and most bloody regime imaginable. These are the tales of those times. Forget the power of technology and science, for much has been forgotten, never to be relearned. Forget the promise of progress and understanding, for in the grim dark future there is only war. There is no peace among the stars, only an eternity of carnage and slaughter and the laughter of thirsting gods. This is the standard intro for any kind of a book based on the Imperium of Man in the Warhammer 40k series. And we found out that Henry Cavill is going to produce and star in a Warhammer 40k series on Amazon. For people that are Warhammer fans, like, this is huge. We never thought we would see live action yeah. on the screen for us. So everybody's pretty excited, but this is a huge undertaking. The world of 40k is massive. Yeah. And it's been well-developed. There's like over 500 books in the Black Library, which is Game Workshop's uh, kind of production company for their books. And it stretches like thousands of years, right? So th there's a lot. And understandably, some people were like, oh, don't mess this up. And I'm like, Tender Cavill. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's one thing that we have seen as kind of not only has he's become more popular, but has kind of really entrenched himself as one of us that he really does have a, a love for the lore of things. Yeah. And that's why I think he is a great person to be like doing this. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I mean the fact that this has never been done before or, or undertaken or tried to be done, I, I think speaks a lot to the difficulty of it. Uh, oh I mean, yeah. 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 Just with the amount of lore, you have to have somebody who, who is deeply embedded in that to try and, and create something out of that. And I think Games Workshop has been, um, just traditionally, I feel like, uh, I don't want to say stingy, because apparently they'll let just about anybody make a video game, because there are tons of 40k video <laughs> games, and they are getting better. I think some of the newer ones are better. Um, but I think a lot of what sells their games to the people that play them is the lore. Yeah. You know, we're actually going to get to play as a Space Marine, or an Adeptus Mechanicus, or, you know, an Orc. Yeah. Uh, so... Yeah. I mean, honestly, the the tabletop game, which is the heart kind of of their company, yeah, is it can be intimidating for sure. I mean, you walk into a, a game store and you see two guys standing on this massive like four by eight table that has all this terrain and buildings and stuff on it, and then you see their armies that are like a hundred pieces strong, and each one is painted to match you know the other ones. They all have a color scheme, they like got themes. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent, and. I can see like that part can be intimidating for anybody walking up on that. Yeah. Because I mean, where do you begin? Like, where do you start? Like, what piece of plastic do you buy? <laughs> to well, we started about a year ago, uh, kind of got into it. And I, by we, I mean me and then my uh, my significant other. She was uh, interested and was painting as well. Um, and we were doing the Kill Team, which is a... So you have the massive game that everybody knows, which like you said, is kind of the heart of Warhammer. And then there's Warhammer 40K, which is the future one, which is what we're going to be making the series based off of. And then there's also the Age of Sigmar, which is the fantasy type as well. Um, there are games like uh, Kill Team and Necromunda and uh, Warcry, which are smaller, more tactical games. You don't have to you don't have to have a huge army to play yeah. them. They're usually like 10 on 10, something like that. Um, 
there are painting oh there's painting the models which is a part of the hobby like there are people that that's all they do like they don't actually play the game they just like to build the models and paint them um there are books out there like i said the black library has something like it's over 500 books just about 40k a lot of people start with what's called the horus heresy uh where basically where mankind kind of split um at least the Adeptus Astartes, which are kind of like the poster boys of 40K, like the big armored Marines. Uh, half of them went evil and half of them stayed with the Emperor. But that's a 57 book series in itself, uh, if you're interested. But there's a lot of lore, but I mean, diving into it, it's not that bad. There's also a lot of really great podcasts to listen to. I know um, Bricky does one called Adeptus Ridiculous. Um, where basically, it's a lore podcast where he is teaching um, his co-host who knew nothing about Warhammer when they started. So it's all like kind of lore based. And they do talk a little bit about the game uh, and somehow some of the figures and powers work in the game, but it's really heavy on the lore side. So you get to learn a lot about it. That one's great. Um, there's a lot of other like lore podcasts you can get into. We actually posted a video on our Facebook of um, a TikToker known as hood guard. who was a big Warhammer fan. And he talks about this, like, Hey, here's some places you can go if you want to get started. So if you're interested in getting a jump on this and you want to learn some more, Henry Cavill put out a statement, too. Um, he said, for 30 years, I've dreamt of seeing Warhammer Universe in live action. After 22 years of experience in the industry, I finally feel like I have the skill set and experience to guide a Warhammer cinematic universe, which <laughs> we're going to get a movie, baby. We're getting it. We're getting it all. <laughs> Partnering with Natalie uh, Viscuso at Vertigo has been a blessing beyond words. Uh, without her, we might not have found the perfect home at Amazon. And giving the, being given a home on Amazon will give us the freedom to be true to the massive scope of Warhammer. To all of you Warhammer fans out there, I promise to respect the IP that we love. I promise to bring you something familiar, and I endeavor to bring you something fantastic that is, as of yet, unseen. So I figured like two years before we actually get our first product out of yeah, this. Yes, I mean, could you imagine if this thing blows up and we get a Warhammer to rival like a Marvel universe? Yeah, like, yeah, I can. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I think it's fantastic. I love that you know we're starting to see we're starting to see this become commonplace. Yeah, you know yeah. because the the more the more money that gets thrown at things like this, the better usually the products come out. Exactly, exactly. So. When something like this happens, you've got to you know. And Kevin Smith, who is one of my personal heroes, um, has talked about this before. If you love this stuff, go support it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we talked about our fandoms being kind of, you know, hot and cold on things and taking a stand. Um, but, you know, for for all that we've gotten in Star Wars, you know, look at the shows that have come out, like with The Mandalorian, Andor, uh, you know, The Acolyte is coming, the Ahsoka series. I mean, without the prequels, you never would have got any of those. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, even if you don't have it, don't don't let perfect to be the enemy of good. Yeah. You know, yeah. When it comes to these fandoms, I'm obviously really excited. I've been into this for, like I said, a little over a year and I'm a lore guy. So I've been reading the lore and that's the part that I really enjoy. Um, it's such a deep universe to dive into. Um, so, so much potential. And like, I'm excited. We're, I want to see orcs, 40K Warhammer orcs on the screen. <laughs> There's no way that's not fun. I don't care what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, that's what's going on in entertainment, and we're looking forward to seeing a lot of that. Um, I guess we're going to dive right in to our PAX experience. Yeah.
So we're back from PAX U 2022. So supposedly this was like the biggest PAX U yet, right? Yeah. When it comes to vendors, it comes to people that actually came, um, the streaming. But they had a lot of content. They had a lot of games. They had a lot of just, I mean, it was packed this year. Yeah, there were a ton of vendors this year. The Expo Hall took up the entire hall. Unlike last year, there was about 30, maybe 40 feet of space mm-hmm. at the back of the hall that wasn't filled. Uh, this year, every every single place that could be filled was filled. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, uh, we got a, some unique experiences we're going to talk about coming up. Uh, there are some things we want to hit first off, though. Big shout out to a friend of ours uh, who went with us, rode up to uh, Philly, uh, Montel, who is a content creator um, and just kind of overall general nerd. He does the Blur to Corn Speaks podcast. We'll put the links in the description, but you can just Google Blur to Corn on, you know, anywhere that you find your podcast or on YouTube yeah. uh, and you'll be able to find him. I think Rogue Catnip is his YouTube name. Uh, he went up with us. He actually had uh, his media passes because yep. he's got enough of a following that Pax, uh, I guess, decided that he was credible. Um, <laughs> but he rode up with us, stayed with us over the weekend, got to hang out with him. Um, he's been a friend of mine, I know, for a long time. Uh, he's worked at the game store that I go to here for like 15 years. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, he's been on the show with us and stuff and talked. So it was good having him up there with us. Uh, he had a good time. Like, this was his first PAX. Yeah. So we were trying to give him what information we could. Yeah. And, you know, the because of the vast knowledge that we have about PAX with our two years. <laughs> Still veterans. Still veterans. We know the first thing you do is go get your Wild Bills Cup. I mean, yes, that is step one. Or go get it filled. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, he said he had a really good time. He said this is definitely a con that he wants to come back to. Uh, it is nice being on the East Coast. It's not a terrible drive for right. us. So, um, Or we can catch a train. So either way. <laughs> Which happened, just in case you want to know. It's really cheap to take a train from Norfolk, Virginia to Philly. So Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that was fantastic. Glad that he was able to come along. Glad he had a good time. Uh, the other thing, always shout out, is the fantastic food. It's one of the reasons why I love this convention. Right. I mean, Reading Terminal Market is right next to the convention center, and any kind of food that you could want is going to be in there, and it's going to be fantastic. Right. There's like Amish bakeries in there. There's the little Amish uh, breakfast counter yep. where you can just, I mean, get anything you want to. Um, they got a little barbecue place in there. Right. The Amish basically control the corner of that market. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like they, they block it off on Sundays. Like that's what we're talking about. Uh, but yeah, it's it's fantastic. There's, I mean, there's, we found a gluten-free place that does carnival food. Oh, it was so like, good. I, I mean, it gluten-free so corn dogs and stuff. That's you know. Which is big. My significant other um, eats gluten free. Um, she has to kind of watch it. Um, so yeah, finding that like she's like I don't couldn't I couldn't even remember when she'd had a corn dog last, and yeah, these were yeah. like corn dogs plus yeah yeah you could get different flavors. I think we got like the jalapeno and cheese, and then the Korean one which had panko and like sweet dressing or something on it. I don't know. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> The details are not as specific, but it was delicious. Right, I got, I got lost in there. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I know we had we had pizza. They have Philly cheesesteaks, of course. Like that's a that's a staple. Right. Uh, the biscuits that you found. Yeah, I found this little breakfast counter that did just like biscuits with like homemade jam and and honey butter. Like that was that was super. I mean, there's a lot of really really good stuff in there. Pretty much anything like anybody in your group could want. Right. the The bad part is it gets crowded like crazy during the day. 
But I mean, it's if you go kind of at off times, either a little bit earlier, a little bit later, it's not too bad. Like you can usually get in and get out and that kind of thing. By Friday night, every food establishment within two blocks of the Philly Convention Center looked like an orc raid had fallen upon it. <laughs> all right. There was nothing left. People were like, you go up to the order and be like, hey, I'd like to get this. And they're like, yeah, we ran out of that a day ago. And you're like, what? <laughs> just just all of it. All of it. Yeah, it was like an apocalypse simulator where like <laughs> you go in there and it's like, yeah, I would like, um, oh, what was it? We went to a burger place that was right next to there. And I think we, what was it you tried to order? You, we were going to get uh, uh, a bacon, bacon cheeseburger. They're like, yeah. yeah, we don't have any bacon. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll make them plain cheeseburgers. And they're like, uh, all right, cool. Like, And I was like, and what, can I get onion rings with one of those? They're like, nah, man, we had onion rings. And then the dude in the back yells out and goes, I got some, but they ugly. And I was like, I don't care what they look like, bro. Let's do it. So, yeah. 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 But, good uh, times. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, we did find... Uh, we did find a cool little like Mexican place about five or six blocks away from right. the convention we just center. Just, yeah, strike out a little bit. Yeah. So, but I mean, the if you've never been to Philly, the convention center falls like right in between Chinatown and like kind of the historic part of Philly. Yeah. Yep. So there's all kinds of places like around the convention center find really good food, um, really within walking distance. Like it's it's a really great con. It's a cool place to be. Definitely one if you're on the East Coast or can make the trip. Definitely one to check out. What I do love about it, too, is PAX U. We bought three-day passes, which is our norm. So we do the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it was like 78 bucks for yeah. a three-day pass. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, if you're in the area, it's affordable. Definitely check it out. We were fortunate enough that on Thursday night, we drove up. We stayed in an Airbnb. So we just drove up and got checked in, me and Josh and Montel. And uh, I have a couple of Facebook groups, you know, that we're part of. Uh, and one of them is a uh, like a board game group. And there was a post that came up, and they were like, hey, um, somebody has put up a couple of exhibitor passes and a copy of their game. And it was like, all you got to do is tell us your favorite area control game and why you like it. And I was like, ah, I was bored, just hanging out. So I whipped out the laptop, and I was like, hey, I like to play Rising Sun. I think it counts as an area control, blah, 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 and this is why I like it. And there we go. Didn't think anything of it until uh, Thursday night. We were sitting there, and my phone goes off, and I was like, oh. You've been tagged in a video. I was like, oh, that feels weird. Um, <laughs> I looked, and apparently I won uh, exhibitor passes. So yeah, uh, we were able to use those to kind of get in a little bit early and get to see PAX before PAX becomes PAX. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which was, like, huge. Like, I mean... Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, to see that side of it, um, obviously, we will probably never be exhibitors. Who knows? Maybe one day. Um, but to be able to get in there before, like all the other people do. So it's all just exhibitors in there. So, and that's the time the other exhibitors take to walk around and look at other people's booths. Right. Right. And so like we got to meet and talk to people that sure, we probably would have seen them in their booth, but like, it's a different experience. You Absolutely. Get, you get to actually like stop for a second and talk to these people, you know, find out more about, you know, not only like their game, but also like, they're not just pitching it to you. Exactly. You yeah. Know? So that was, that was really cool. Um, and also getting to kind of get a layout of the place before it gets like packed with people. Um, cause that's one of the things that's always tough is you don't want to be in anybody's way and like stand in the middle of the aisle looking around, you know, like that John Travolta meme. Right. But like, <laughs> like, yeah, so that, that was really cool. Um, getting that opportunity. Uh, so the guy who was able to give us the passes, uh, his name is Rob McBride. He's with Scyther Gaming. Yes. Uh, the main game that he does is the Overbattle, the All War. 
uh, which is kind of like a, a sci-fi massive scale area control game. Right. Um, which seems really cool. Um, obviously, we're still not got to the table yet, but definitely on the plans. Uh, he is actually showing off that he's doing a fantasy version of it as well that I think is supposed to come to Kickstarter early next year. I think that's what he was saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah but um, the cool thing about this game is it scales from, what is it, two players four. or four four players yeah. all the way up to 48 players. Right. You, It's possible to play this game on separate tables and still be playing the same game. Yeah. Like Think of it as like different galaxies. Um, and you can go up to 12 tables with the setup that he has. Uh, you have yeah. to have 12 different copies of the game. But, I mean, that's that's massive. And I think he was talking about trying either at uh, Gen Con or one of the bigger cons and trying to take a shot at the Guinness World Record for yeah. people playing the same board game. Yeah, yeah. So, it and the way it sounds really cool because you can, like, jump through portals to the other places, but it's not always guaranteed you're going to get to where you want to go because right. there is, like, a dice mechanic that makes it a little random, which is fantastic. But as when you're in a 48-player battle, you have, like, I think it's four people to a team and then you can actually use as a team, try to like control sectors and things like that. So the whole thing sounds really cool. We're excited to kind of get it to the table here, the small version, just kind of get a feel for our play it, take it out. But I would love to see him be able to do something like that at a big con. Oh yeah. Just Cause yeah, I want to get, if we make it to Gen Con and it's going on, we're going to be part of that. Yeah. 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 So, um, and just big thanks to Rob for the passes and a really great guy. We stopped and talked with him for, uh, you know, a couple times during the, um, during the con while we were wandering around. He seems like he's kind of doing this as a one man operation. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't have a whole lot, um, like, as far as employees or anything with it. So this is all like, this is this one man in his dream. Um, we'll definitely put links down to Scyther Gaming too, so you can go check that out. Yeah, yeah, he's really, really cool guy. It's like awesome concept. Seems like an awesome game. So really excited to check it out. Um, so let's see, we got the there on Thursday. Uh, after we unloaded everything, we went over to the convention because you have to get your vaccine stuff done still because PAX was still a fully vaccinated, fully masked convention. Yep, which uh, I'm okay with. It was perfectly fine with me. I felt like I didn't come away with, you know, very much like con crud. Right, exactly. Because, like, I feel fine when I got home. Yeah, yeah. Um, the first year, though, unlike the first year, because the first year we came home, I think both of us were sick for like the next week. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but we got there. Uh, we actually met up with the guys from BA Games, right. which we've had on the show a couple times already. Um, Ed and Sam were there. Um, and Sam's wife, Emily. Yep. Yeah. And. They were there running their booth, so that was cool. We got to go out and eat dinner with them on Thursday night before everything blew up. Yep, <laughs> yep. Um, but yeah, they are fantastic people. Uh, we talked about Cult of the Deep a lot, but they had their new game there, which is Forges of Ravenshire. Right. So they, it was just a promo copy that they had right now, but it looked pretty finished. There were a few things he was said that they're still going to produce a little bit differently. But yeah, fantastic game. Uh, we sat down with them and actually played a full game. Well, well we sat down with Sam. Uh, yeah. Ed and Emily were keeping the booth going. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, you guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, normally he says he like plays her around with people. We we're like, cool. And we just kept playing. So uh, <laughs> we got the full yeah. EA experience. It was yeah, a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really good game. Uh, and as I've said before, um, engine building and worker placement stuff is not my specialty. And I think it's just a lack of experience. But I had a good time with it. Um, Forges yeah. of Ravenshire, you're basically a blacksmith in this town. 
and you take jobs um, and you're just trying to make money is essentially what you're trying to do. You have the phase, you have the first phase where you're kind of like collecting all of your resources and then you move into production phase and see how much you can make. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of mecha- different mechanics that happen um, within the engine building kind of thing. Yeah, there, there's um, I mean, there's a dice mechanic that actually determines how much materials you get or what kind of materials. Which is really cool. That keeps everything kind of random and it makes it harder to have like long term plans. It's more kind of planning on the fly. Uh, there is a like a worker placement aspect to it. Um, that's the one that's kind of like North Sea. Take one, leave one kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. When you do the action when you place one and you pick another one up and do the, that action as well. So that's really cool. Love that concept. Uh, then you get into engine building with the different guilds and uh, running those through. So you're trying to build that up. Um, and then as you get over into um, the actual production side, there's like resource management um, and all kinds of good stuff there. So, yeah, that's one thing I think we talked about BA games with Cult of the Deep that we like so much. It's so much more than just a social deduction game. Right. Because right. we're not big fans of just pure social deduction. It's just not really our thing. But that game has other elements to it, like the dice element, the semi-cooperative element of trying to either complete or prevent the rituals that are going on. There's just a lot more going on than just a social deduction. And I think that's what makes it, you know, in the ballpark of what we like. And this game kind of does the same thing. It combines a lot of elements into this game that make it more than just like a worker placement game or more than just an engine building game. Right. It has all that in it. And it's not. It doesn't overcomplicate things either, which I really like. No, yeah. Like um, I, again, I'm not that. Those are not my type of game yet. I guess, um, but I was able to keep up and play and like enjoyed the game. Like had yeah. a good time going through it. Yeah, I mean, Sam whooped us like real hard. Bad. But I mean, it, it was bad. Did, yeah, he did design it, so I guess you know that is what it is, <laughs> right? Like he was like, "Hey, come play my game." Yeah. <laughs> Like, oh, it was ugly. I forgot to ask him if he ever gets tired of beating people at it. Maybe I'll, I'll get that in next time I talk to him. <laughs> like, yeah. I, th- I think his score was, like, double, like, yours. Yeah, and it was. And I was trailing behind you, so. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty close, I think. But, yeah. Uh, but it's it's a fantastic game. That's another game that they're coming to Kickstarter. They're, I think they're shooting for April on that one. So, as soon as they do, we'll, of course, put out a thing on it. We'll let you guys know. Uh, but, yeah. Fantastic game. Fantastic group of people. Uh, we would come by there and hang out with them quite often yeah we swung so, by a couple times yeah, yeah i mean they were right they were right in front of the uh wild bills booth too yeah so, so it was convenient if right. nothing else um but yeah really really great people uh definitely if you have not checked out any of their games yet like cult of the deep definitely go take a look at that again we highly recommend that one uh in fact we bought the playmat for it because we didn't know there was a playmat right yeah um so we picked that up from them while we were up there but yeah overall just really good people um but yeah so that was kind of like Thursday, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we've learned. We've done this a couple times now. Um, they do have a great app, the PAX community, yeah. that yeah. helps you kind of see what's scheduled and planned and stuff. But Oh, yeah. I mean, we sat down. What was that? A couple days before we left. And we were like, all right, so let's go through the app. Let's go through the schedule. Let's see the things that we want to do. Right. So we looked at the shows, we looked at all the stuff and you can add them to your schedule. Right. And it, you can even set notifications where it'll notify you like, you know, an hour or 10 minutes before right. it's whatever al- you want. It's also important to note that the app this year is how you registered for all of like the events. Yeah. Like if you were going to do a tournament or if there was a certain um, like in a certain event that had limited seating, you had to register for it. Yeah. Like the paint classes and stuff like that as well. Yeah. Uh, but they... 
so we got all that in there. We put all of our schedule together. We had all these shows we were looking at. But I'll be honest with you. Once we hit the floor, that went that went pretty much out the window. Right, right. We made yeah. two. We made two panels this year. Yeah, uh, I think we went to like eight last year. Um, so big, big difference for us. But um, it, there was so much on the floor this year. So much more, I think, than yeah. last year. That there was every day we were seeing new things and like meeting new people and stuff like that. So that's where we spent a majority of the time this year. Yeah. 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 Um, so the two panels we did go to were, um, kind of staples for us though. Yeah. Yeah. The, the opening panel that they do at PAX is a must, uh, the story time panel, I think is what they call it because they always have a special guest come in and do it. Um, so the last one we went to was Abria Iyengar. Yep. Um, this year was the McElroy brothers which those guys are hilarious. If you have never listened to their stuff, they have like a million different podcasts. Um, but the main one that kind of I know them for is the Adventure Zone, right? which is where they get together with their dad and play D&D. Um, and it starts out like a normal D&D campaign. And you're like, oh, okay, this is going to go okay. Like episode two, it's off the rails, <laughs> right? Um, that's the one. Griffin is one of the brothers that actually runs that one. And you could tell, like, he's making up stuff on the fly because they start out trying to do the um, the Fandolin module. So, yeah, yeah. Lost Minds of Fandolin. Yeah, Fandolin, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, like I said, by episode two, it's completely off the module. Like, for sure, they're never coming back. Uh, but, yeah, it's they're fantastic. They're really good. All, their other podcasts are good as well. Uh, the first one I think they started with was My Brother, My Brother and Me which is the three of them together talking about a whole assortment of topics and various things. Um, so those are really cool. I know some of them have podcasts with their wives as well that they do. So there's just a whole host of stuff. If you want to find them, definitely Google them, take a listen to them. They got a lot of really cool stuff. Um, you can actually see the story time as well. Uh, Pax posted on YouTube. So if yep. you're interested, uh, they did a real interesting. They get like, what, an hour and a half, I think. Yeah. Or something, maybe an hour. Something like that. Um, to get up there and basically whoever the opener is gets to talk about whatever they want. So yep. their plan was they had 20 different topics and each one of them would roll a D20 and have to talk for three and a half minutes on whatever topic they landed on. Yeah. Um, and there was a lot of good topics in there. Uh, <laughs> uh what was it? Uh, Games that have almost destroyed the McElroy family was yep. one. Yep. Um, things that I've never told my dad. Yep. Uh, the socio-political uh, explanation for what what started World War One. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So some of it got ridiculous. And then one of them was like Warhammer 40K. And apparently none of them have any Warhammer experience. Uh, so whatever topic they rolled, it really depended on how it went. But everyone almost funny. Like everyone yeah, had a good yeah. time. They, they did really good. There were a couple of them that where it was like serious. And it was like. Right, yeah, <laughs> like, right. I, like I don't really know how to take that, um, but then you had ones like like the Warhammer 40k one where uh, I think that was Justin actually who got that one who knew nothing about Warhammer and like was completely like off the rails with it. Um, yeah, it didn't take long. It yeah, didn't take yeah. long at all. And it was it was fantastic though because the thing he was describing was not Warhammer, but I would still play it. Like, yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, like, it's like. I know that's wrong. Yeah, but it still sounds good. Yeah. So those those guys are great. That was fantastic. The other one we went to is our other staple. We always go to uh, is the Acquisitions Incorporated show, um, which don't want to spoil anything on that. But if you are Acquisitions Incorporated fans and you have not watched that show yet, you need to go watch that. Yeah. So Acquisitions Incorporated was kind of one of the first live play D and D. They've been doing this for fifteen years, fourteen years, fourteen years. Something like that. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's been a long time. Uh, you know, Chris Perkins was their DM for a long time. Then he handed off the reins to Jeremy Crawford. Um, it's just the people that have sat at that table, Kate Welsh, um, Jeremy Holkins, Mike Krahulik, uh, uh, Xavier Woods has yeah. come on from the WWE, Anna Prosser, um, Holly Pat Conrad, Rothfuss. Pat Rothfuss, the author, is, a, uh, is an amazing character that's been on the show. Um, and they would do them. They would do the live play at PAX, and that's been their thing. Um, this one's huge. If you hadn't seen it, you need to go back and see it. Uh, yeah. They also said there's some stuff coming next year for a Kickstarter. Um, yeah, like uh, like we're moving to a season two, but you got to go watch that and see just how we got there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was kind of a. But that was that was one of those like punch in the gut moments too. Yeah, yeah. It definitely was. Um, but I, I am always a fan. I always love to watch Jeremy Crawford DM. Yeah. Um, just something about having a person who has that kind of grasp on not only the rules, but the way the game should flow and play. Like, it's just fantastic. Yeah. Um, um, he is the lead rules designer um, at Wizards of the Coast for D&D. And, yeah, it's a... Uh, he, like you said, not only does he know the rules, but he knows what it sh- what they intend for this to be. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he does that really well. Yeah, so those are the two panels that we went to. Uh, the rest of the time we spent on the floor. Uh, there, like I said, there were a ton of vendors this year. I mean, both big names, small names, ones we had never heard of. Right. I mean, I think even the Philadelphia Flyers had a booth, which I thought was pretty funny. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Wild Bills, which we talked about. Wild Bills makes like uh, cust- like sodas and stuff, and they're yeah. fantastic. So if you buy a Wild Bills cup, which they're like 40 to 60 bucks, um, you can pay like 10 bucks and fill it up all weekend or something yeah. like that, right? So it's like one of the best deals in the hall, as long as you remember to go buy Wild Bills. Yeah. This year, there were, it was it was so big and it was so spread out. Wild Bills had two different booths set yeah. up for you to go fill, and they had different flavors at each one, yeah. and it was wild, man. Like, uh, <laughs> Of course, they had the, the, the Black Cherry is one of my favorites. I like that. Um, I do like orange, maybe even mix a little of the vanilla in with it. Yeah, I was happy to see Grape there this year. That was the first time they've had Grape. Right. Uh, they also had an apple pie. The apple pie, I was I was iffy on the apple pie, and I was like, mm, it it just there's, a, there's it, the cinnamon gives it a little bite, but you throw a little of the vanilla soda in on top of it, gold baby, <laughs> gold. It was so good. Yeah, and the best part is if you bring your cup from previous years or from other conventions where they've been other at other events, yeah, you can fill it up all weekend for like twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it might even be a little bit less than that. I know it was less for us because we were like, hey, we're going to do this thing. We got to get our... Th-, and we showed up and they're like, oh, and you're a vendor? Let's take that off for you. Yeah. So we got like a, we got like an awesome discount. <laughs> Again, yeah. thanks, Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the show floor. Um, oh, there's so, so many things. So we did try to Instagram. Um, I did put a bunch of pictures up, uh, different booths we were at, different people we were talking to, just so... Um, if you're watching, if you're following the Dapper Meeple on Instagram, you got a little bit of a taste of it. Um, I even tried my hand at making a couple reels and stuff. They came out okay. Yeah. We'll get better at that. Um, but yeah, uh, so there's the usual suspects, right? Yeah. Uh, Wormwood was there, which <sighs> Wormwood just makes all the nice things. They were displaying their, uh, uh, new DM screen. If yeah. you would like to buy one and you go, I'm going to design exactly what I want. You're going to spend $1,200, just yeah. so you know. And okay. you have a child or a extra kidney you want to sell. You know. I got both. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, Wormwood's booth is always gorgeous. If you've never seen him at a con, it's all like fancy wood on the outside and everything. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. yeah it, it's it's great. They had their tables there, too, this time. Yes, um, they were showing those off. Yeah. And I always love that everybody at the Wormwood booth 
um, looks like something like their style is very kind of like, I don't want to say cyberpunk, but that's what it reminds me of. Very kind of alt goth kind yeah. of look. Them but they're all dressed. dice too. Yeah, yeah. They both do it. They but they but they're dressed like like vests and waistcoats, yeah. like yeah. dresses, really nice. Like it, it's it, I think it's just a fun kind of aesthetic that I really dig from both of them. Yeah. Level of dice was there too, which which I thought it was hilarious. They put them side by side. Yeah, I saw that. Like I because Wormwood also does like really has really fancy like gemstone dice and things like that too. Yep. Yep. So I thought it was funny that they were right next to each other, but I thought their placement was really good. So I was thinking about that as we were walking through one day, like how crazy it was when that, I don't remember if it was the last time or the one before, but level of dice was like right in the middle. Yeah. And like, it was always so packed around it. Um, now they put them like on a front corner. So there was like plenty of space to get around them. Right. There was like yeah. the big aisles around them that you could get. Through. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. The, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, Level Up Dice, uh, they're fantastic. Uh, if you have never seen their stuff, uh, I think probably one of their big things that they're known for are the Table Shaker Dice. Right. Uh, which are used by the the packs um, or the Acquisitions Incorporated guys, which are the big, like, heavy aluminum. Like, 40, I think they're 44 millimeter dice. Something like that, yeah. yeah. But they're the ones when you drop them on the table, you hopefully have something underneath them or your table's getting damaged. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so... Uh, those are great. Plus, all their other stuff is really good. Uh, the other one in the same vein is Norse Foundry, which I really like their stuff. Yeah. Um, they were the one I was out there, and I was like, I might spend some money on some dice if I find just the right ones. And I found uh, Norse Foundry did have uh, Elkhorn dice, like they were made from Elkhorn, but they were like three hundred bucks for a set. And I just, I was like. I'm not making that kind of money yet. Not yet, yeah. but they did look fantastic. They do a lot of the gemstone dice as well. They have a lot of metal glow-in-the-dark ones as well. I mean, it's great. And then around the outside, they always have some like pins and stuff. We've got a couple of pins from them that are really cool. Like yeah. There's spinners on them and stuff like that. Yeah, um, They always coins. do really cool pins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they did a lot of... They had were showing off uh, mini sets of dice this year. That That's right, the Pixie dice that yeah, they yeah, just yeah. released right before PAX. I mean, they're tiny like tiny tiny dice but they came in they you could even buy like a little tiny dice box to keep them in right pretty cool yeah 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 so um those guys are always they're usually always there uh one of the other big names that was always there is whiz kids um so they (laughs) they have all their stuff (laughs) i mean it's kind of hard to describe all the things that whiz kids does but they do Everything from, of course, like the Dungeons and Dragons, like board games. They do a lot of the miniatures. Uh, they also do uh, Hero Clicks, yep. which is has its own big following. Uh, but one of the things they had this year, which we did not see until it was too late, they had a special convention mini that was three kobolds in a trench coat. And I I hate that we missed it. <laughs> I know, right? It was That booth was so busy and we didn't get in there to see exactly what it was until it was too late. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. But uh, they actually were showing off the new Dungeons and Dragons Onslaught game. Yes, uh, yes. which is kind of like a tactical combat game that kind of flavors everything around uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So that one looked pretty cool. We were kind of messing around with that a little bit. Uh, that was pretty busy, pretty much all weekend. Um, but yeah, so that one looked really cool. Uh, some of the other big names that were there. Uh, boardgametables.com, which now they're changing their name to All Play. Right. Uh, they were there, so they do everything from like really nice bags 
um, to actual tables, but they have a lot of games too now. Yes. Um, yes. A lot of them would kind of lean more towards the lighter side. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, kind of faster too, easy to pick up sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, they have some really good stuff. They had a pretty good sized booth as well. That we, always seemed to be busy. We picked up a copy of Kabuta Sumo. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, if you don't know, you're the, you're like beetles, um, represented by just little round wooden, uh, tokens that go onto the, table which is a uh it's like a cutoff like uh tree right and sumo so you're trying to push each other off so you get these little pieces that you get a slider and you put it where you want to and you slide it in and try to knock other pieces off for you to use or knock your opponent off to win um it's a fun little dexterity game yeah that yeah. they've gotten a couple of expansions for i was excited to get the peanut yeah i each of the different wrestlers has their own like signature move and it's a special shape piece like there's a peanut, there's like a chair or a table. I know one of them has like a bunch of different pieces you like stack together and then push on. Um, but yeah, a lot of really cool stuff like that. The little bit of flavor is fantastic. Um, yeah, definitely one that I know I've been looking at for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So uh, some of the other ones, the bigger ones, like Restoration Games was there. So they do like Unmatched. Um, and they do a lot of older games, too. Yeah. Like they did Fireball Island. They did the remake of that one. Um, which was a classic from my childhood (laughs) i gotta find me another copy eventually but uh yeah they so they were there um always a fantastic booth they had their new unmatched expansion yes they did uh, which was houdini and the genie yeah i'm kind (laughs) of excited to pull that one out (laughs) it rolls off the tongue it really does um but yeah so that that was cool they had a really cool booth um you had pandasaurus games were there as well uh, we didn't get to stop by them because they were always completely packed, uh, but they do a lot of really cool stuff. Yeah. So one of their newer games that I, I've been wanting to check out is called That Time You Killed Me. Uh, it's a two player game where you have three different boards and one is like the past, the fu- the present and the future. Right. Uh, and the actions you take like on the previous boards affect like the future boards uh, and you're trying to eliminate your opponent's pieces. Uh, through like just strategical moves and stuff like that it's really cool it's like three-dimensional chess like is is what i think about but um they have a lot of really cool stuff too but they're always at the cons um but yeah so that was a lot of the big guys that we were able to check out pokemon had a huge oh my gosh well like this is the first time i've ever seen the representation from them like that uh they had like a giant pikachu floating in the air and they had um, it was all for their card game, basically like learn to play, come check this out. But it was like um, a whole like walled off area that they built in the middle there. Yeah, like it was it was insane. Yeah, but it was really cool. I'm glad to see that that's you know that's still a thing. Like, yeah, right. Uh, and people were like new people were checking it out as well. They had like I think they had tournaments and stuff going because they had constantly some of the uh, tables had cameras over top of them. And we're showing them on the screens, kind of like around their booth. Yeah. So that was pretty cool as well. Uh, we did get to stop by Roxley Games as well. Yep. Um, so, which Dice Throne. Um, and we got to try their... It's been out for a little while. Yeah. Uh, their... Radlands. Yep. Two-player card game, uh, which was pretty fun. Like, I liked it. It's kind of a... Um, and the theme is like you're a wasteland and you're basically fighting over... Um, water. Water. Yeah. That's, that's pretty much what it is. Uh, each side has like a base that... The way you lose is your base gets destroyed before you destroy the other person's base. Pretty straightforward. There's some cool little mechanics in it, uh, but nice little like two player card game. <clears throat> Sorry. Try that again. Yeah, but a uh, nice little two player card game. 
they also had Marvel Dice Throne there, so they were showing that off, which of course we have, so we have already played it. Uh, but that was really cool to have other people see it and get their hands on it. Uh, one of the other ones that um, me and Marie got to try out was at the Catalyst booth. They're known for uh, Battletech and Shadowrun. They had uh, uh, kind of like they've redone a game uh, with Leviathans. Uh, this version is Leviathans, the Great War. Basically, it's an alternate history World War One thing where somebody made floating gas. And so now all the battleships fly. And you, um, you like the different size ships have different sort of movement and different weapons and whatnot on them. And then you can like every weapon has a certain arc. If you've ever played like miniature games like X-Wing or anything like that, you kind of understand. Um, it was kind of cool. Uh, the battleships and stuff, the minis that they had were really cool. Yeah. They just finished Kickstarter. So it's not out to purchase or pre-order yet. Um, but we sat down and played a game with that. And it was really cool. It was, you got to play like a battleship and a destroyer which the destroyers are a little more, you know, maneuverable. Yeah. Don't pack as much firepower. But if you get the right position on somebody, you can do a lot of damage. It was uh, it was cool to play. And yeah. they walked us through that one. I had a good time uh, checking that one out. So I'm looking forward to when I can get my hands on that again. Yeah. Um, I know uh, Cephalofair Games was there too, which is Gloomhaven. And they had Frosthaven there. They had a huge, massive stack of Frosthaven. Um, so if you wanted your Frosthaven, you could get your Frosthaven while you were there. And get your picture taken. Uh, yeah, they and get always your picture taken with a funny hat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they had a lot of options for funny hats this year. Uh, but yeah, so that was really cool to see them guys. Uh, Lucky Duck was there too. One of my favorite um, publishers. Yeah, one of my favorite publishers. Uh, they do Chronicles of Crime is the one that I know them most for. Uh, they have a actually a bunch of other games. They were showing off mainly Flamecraft, which is their newer one, where you you basically are using the smaller cousins of dragons that they're not destructive they're more like craftsmen right so right. you use them to do everything from obviously forging to like baking and all sorts of different stuff very like cute family friendly looking game uh that looked like it had some teeth to it uh it's kind of like worker placement style but it looked pretty interesting uh they were running demos of that all weekend too so. And Lucky Duck's the one that um, their games always have, or for the most part, have a uh... app integration. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the guy when uh, I was talking to him a little bit, and he basically described it: the most of the people who started Lucky Duck were game developers. Video that's game right. Developers. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, yeah and he uh, he basically said they took the game developers, decided they wanted to start their own board game company. So yeah. That's what you get. Uh, yeah, but all their apps are really clean. And they, they do it well. The integration yeah. is really good. So you can tell there's definitely some um, experience on that end from them as well. So, All right, so some other, like we've got a list of vendors that we got to talk to yeah. um, that were really kind of like um, like big for us. Like this is the stuff that we got a chance to really like dig into. Um, and let's start with one first games. Yeah, so... They were actually the connected boost <laughs> to BA games. Yeah, so that helped us. Yeah. So they were like right there. Uh, but they are actually the guys who have put out the boys board game. Yeah. Uh, and at first glance, the first thing I noticed, I was like, man, the art on this game looks exactly like the boys comics. And I was like, I don't know if that's legal. So I was talking to the guy and I was like, hey, you know, this looks like the comic art. He was like, yeah, we actually got the comic book artist to sign off on us using all original art um, that came from the comics in the board game. Yeah. 
So they have a lot of really cool like characters and stuff that were not featured in the show because you only put so much in the show. Right. Um, are part of the game and it's all comic book art and stuff like that. So it's really cool. The game itself, uh, we bought, we picked up the deluxe edition with all the minis and stuff like that while we were there uh, just so we could come bring it home, play it, check it out. Uh, the guy actually has already reached back out to us to possibly do an interview in the future. So, yeah, so definitely want to talk to them and yeah, get a chance to get let them talk about their game. It looks so good. It's like Homelander is destroying the world. If you've read the book or watched the show, you'll understand. And you're trying to recruit other supers to take him out. Yeah. yeah. So um, it looks like a lot of fun. I really want to get that one onto the table soon. Yeah. Uh, they are actually doing a Kickstarter for an expansion. Uh, I think he said that's going to come out in a couple months. Okay. Um, they're running the Kickstarter for that. So um, definitely one we're excited for, want to check out, and I'm looking forward to maybe getting a chance to talk to them about that. Yeah, so, that's uh, The Boys, This Is Gonna Hurt. Yep. I think it's the whole game title if you want to go look it up. Yep. Uh, another one that we ran into, uh, we got introduced to uh, these guys by... Um, BA games, uh, and we like they're a connection. They really are. They're they're <laughs> they're are in. They're are in. Um, yeah. So we got to go back to their booth. Um, and the way that was kind of set up, like the bigger names were kind of towards the front of the hall. It felt yeah. like, and then the indie. They had like two or three rows in the back that were more your indie kind of games. And we found these guys, um, the Flag Bearer Games. They had a five E. I'm gonna say supplement right now called Nations and Cannons, and essentially. Uh, the big thing that you get out of this book is firearm rules. Like, if you played 5e, there are a ton of firearm rules out there, but none of them are really well fleshed out and kind of iffy. These ones are very well fleshed out. Yeah. And ultimately, the design is so that you could play a historical role-playing game set anywhere, like, in the 17 to 1800s. Like, we're yeah. talking from, like, the Revolution to the Napoleonic Wars. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to play that, here are all the rules for it. And then the book that we got, because um, we picked, up, I picked up one of their books. It is the all the firearm rules and stuff, but it also goes in and talks a little bit about creating characters and their different types. Yeah, they have new character classes and stuff like that that fit into um, like that setting. Basically, magic in the setting is gunpowder. Yeah. Like, that's kind of how they base, like, magic rules and stuff, so... Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Might as well be. Uh, But no, it looks like they did a really good job with it. Like, it looks really cool. I know they're going to be coming out soon with an actual adventure module... Right. ...that ties in with everything. This is just kind of the core rule set for this. Um, So, I think there's a lot of really cool potential here, especially if you are interested in, like, historical... Um, fantasy and fiction, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, because you can really like create your own stories within that framework. Yep. Um, you know, we we talked about it actually. I think that evening while we were going back to the Airbnb, um, like some of the potential like downfalls, especially considering you know today's like kind of the way the culture has shifted. You know, looking at certain things that were prevalent back in that day, particularly slavery, racism, that sort of thing. You know ways to incorporate that or you know how to kind of play around that if you wanted to be historically accurate right um and i i think there are ways to do it i think that's just something to be aware of because i mean that that whole mindset greatly influenced a lot of the things of that time period um but still these rules are really cool uh it's a great way for you to kind of build your own story in that even if it's an alternate history or whatever you want to do 
um, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. And it fits in the 5e system is what it's based off of. So yeah. you can also take the the gun rules and drop yeah. them into somewhere like Eberron or something like that where, you know, somebody has just invented flash powder and you can work with it there. Um, yeah. It's yeah. really streamlined and really well done firearm rules. Yeah. Yeah. So that those guys are really cool. Um, hopefully we can get together with them. They said they would be open to do like some interviews and stuff. Um, so that's another one we are hoping to set up sometime here in the future. Uh, to really talk to them about it because definitely a cool product, a unique design space that I don't think anybody else is really doing. Yep. So yeah. So definitely a cool, cool little project to take a look at. Uh, Lethal Shadows. Yeah. Um, so the man, the Lethal Shadows booth got me twice, um, and I'm okay <laughs> with it. Uh, so what Lethal Shadows is, if you go to their website, they do a lot of like uh, resin minis, yeah. uh, really good resin minis too. Um, they look really cool. They're all kind of fantasy based. Um, there was a buddy of mine, I, I was showing him and he was looking at the site and he's like, look at this. They're all based off of like horror monsters. Like, and I was looking at the minis and sure enough, they were like, yeah. you could see the influence in there from like Freddy Krueger and Jason, Michael Myers, stuff like that. Really cool. Um, I didn't catch on to it at first and I don't think it's like, they don't put it out there like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but it was really cool. Their minis are just amazing. Um, the girlfriend picked one up. Uh, she got the spider merchant, which is a, it's just a big spider with like a little house on its back and sells all kinds of stuff. And I can't wait to put that in a campaign somehow <laughs> and hope the PCs don't kill it. Um, but they had, uh, they had a couple of other things that they were introducing at PAX. One of them was the paint scepter. It's basically a holder um, for minis and it's adjustable and it's got different pins. So you can change how you hold a mini. Yeah. Um, and it's spring loaded, so you can like clamp them from the top, or maybe like put it underneath and let it spread out and hold it. It's it's really versatile, and then it twists like ninety degrees and stuff. I mean, it's like sixty bucks, but it's like machined aluminum. It's nice and heavy. It's got a nice base that it sets on. Um, really, really great product. The other thing that they um, just introduced at PAX was their paintbrush. They do an aluminum paintbrush um, where you can swap out the tips for different sizes. Um, I, I, first time I walked by it, I was like, eh, it feels a little gimmicky. And I was like, eh. And then I stopped and I was looking at it. And the, uh, I don't know if he's the owner, Patrick. Um, he's the guy kind of running things. He was there and he was like, here, well, let me show you. And I was like, yeah, explain this to me. Why do I want this brush? And he was, he pulled it up and he's like, here's why. And I picked it up and held it. I mean, it feels really good in the hand. Um, the, the, <laughs> the, uh, it's synthetic bristles and they're just, they're really, really nice. Um, and I was like, wow, and it was like 12 bucks, right? And you can find it on their website, which we'll yeah. again, put in the show notes. If you're interested, I actually picked one up for Preston, our, yeah. the guy that runs our Warhammer shop here and uh, gave it to him. He was really excited to try it. Um, but it just, it feels really good. It's nice and heavy, especially if you've got big, like meat hands, like, you know, me and Patrick do, uh, sometimes those tiny little brushes can really just get to be a pain. But I mean, this yeah. was really, really nice. Um, uh, they sent us a, they sent us a note as well. Um, just like, Hey man, I hope you're enjoying the stuff you picked up. Let us know if there's anything else. Um, and they were telling me the other, they've got some more tips, like different size tips coming out, uh, yeah, yeah, at the beginning yeah. of the year. Uh, that one was really cool. But yeah, I went by there and I looked at the holder and I was like, man, this thing is badass. And again, my significant other who does nothing to help me save money, apparently was like, Oh no, we should get one. Right. That's enough. We can have one at the house. And I was like, yeah, yeah. 60 bucks. Here you go. Easy. <laughs> The next day I come back through and I was like, all right, Patrick, tell me about this brush. Yeah, that, that, I think that was, that's the hardest part about PAX is wanting to buy all the things. Like, I, I feel like we're 
a lot of times we're really good about waiting until Sunday to buy things. But every now and then you come across stuff like that where you're like, oh, I just I'm going to I'm going to buy this. I might as well just do it now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, tur- and the other one that got me was uh, Turbo Dork Paints. A lot of people that I've talked to since packs have been like, oh, I've seen their stuff. What they do is they do a, um, a metallic type of paint for like yep. minis and whatnot. And again, this is one of those things that I looked at and I was like, eh, it feels a little, it feels a little like, you know, gimmicky or whatnot. But they had some of their examples out of stuff that they painted. Yeah, that was cool. So I'm not a painter and I will probably never be a painter. I just, not my thing. If you decide to, though, I know where to get a good brush. Yeah, yeah. I, and a holder, apparently. Um, <laughs> but we went by their booth and they had a miniature painted in each of the different colors that they had, which I thought that that is fantastic presentation Yes, from a person who does merchandising as a career. That is fantastic way to do it because they were like, yeah, pick it up, take it, like, look at it, see what you think. Like the paints they were out of by the time we got over there, they had taken the minis off the rack right, kind of thing. Right. But yeah. No, I, I like, they had a lot of what to me felt like unique colors. They did. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they they'll do like they either have the metallic colors or they have some that fade. So as you turn the model in the light, you can see it like change colors and like shimmer into like two different colors. And those ones are really really cool. Um, there's a couple of techniques that they were talking about, like using uh, like testers uh, satin finish over top of them to give them this like very like dulled down metal look um, that looked really good that I haven't been able to recreate yet with the stuff that I have. Um, so I've sent them an email and be like, hey. Talk to me about how to use your paints better because I cannot like I've really I've been working on a uh, Warhammer kill team for the Ecclesiarchy, which are the Sisters of Battle. Yeah. And it's like this is the paint that I want to put on them. Yeah. yeah. So I want to get it right and then I'll finish them because, you know, start taking chunks out of that big pile of plastic that I have to paint. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, man, it was really cool. We came back home and we stopped by our local game shop. I think the day we got home from PAX because I don't know, we have a problem or something. Um, <laughs> and I found that they actually carry Turbo, Turbo Dork here in atlantis at the shop so that was really cool uh what else what's next up van rider games yeah so van rider they're known for a few different games uh specifically like more recently they have done final girl uh which is a a solo board game uh it's kind of based off one of their previous game called hostage negotiator uh it's a fantastic game basically you are the final girl in a horror movie right right so the the old trope that goes along there's always that one girl at the end who fights like finds the courage somewhere within herself to fight off whatever this monster creature thing is. Right. So uh, season one that they came out with was all like traditional horror tropes. So there's like the, the butcher uh, who <laughs> haunts camp crystal Lake. I mean, it's pretty much a straight rip off. I was going to say, Jason. <laughs> yeah. So the dude wears a pig mask instead of a hockey mask. But yeah. Uh, there's a poltergeist one. Uh, there is a creepy puppeteer one. Uh, yeah, that one's, yeah. And then there is, uh, like a nightmare creature. So, I mean, we're looking Freddy Krueger, but, um, the really cool thing is that you have the core box, which has the base things that you need to play the game. And then you have these scenarios and each one of the scenarios, you can combine either the monster or creature with the location. So you can do mix and match and each one has two different final girls you can play as. They have different special abilities. And once you have like more than one, you can mix and match all those as well. Right. The coolest thing that I like. So um, I, I'm going to get the play mats because I have a problem with play mats and I love them. Um, but if you don't get the play mats, the actual game boards are the box. 
So they are magnetic and actually peel off the outsides of the box. And oh, then wow. you lay them down and that is your game boards. Like it, it's a fantastic design. Um, so each one of those, like you'll peel off the side and there's a little crevice on that side that holds like either the monster card, like everything for that monster or everything for that location, depending on which side you peeled off. Right, right. Um, but yeah, every, that's how they, they made the game. And it's all magnetic, and once it, you put it back on the right side, like it closes up tight. You don't go worry about stuff falling out. Fantastic design. I like that, yeah. The game itself is great. So Hostage Negotiator was also a solo-only game mm-hmm. uh, where you were playing as a hostage negotiator, trying to save as many people as you could from this person or stall and buy time until like your snipers could take the shot kind of thing. Um, it was a great game. It's a little finicky because it's mostly just dice-based. There's not a whole lot of mitigation that you can do to it. Final Girl fixes that because they have added a lot of card play elements to it, which allow you to have more mitigation on the dice. There are still dice that does still happen. That is still a big part of it, Um, but it allows you to have some sort of play against that, which I like. I I think it's fantastic. I play I picked up just the core box and the puppeteer um, scenario, and I've played it probably like six or seven times at this point. Um, it's really good. It plays in like 20 minutes, like you're in and out. Um, everything can be thrown right back in the boxes and closed up and like setup is not bad. Um, yeah, really fantastic. I, they actually just did their Kickstarter for season two, which has more, uh, like broader things. It's not just straight horror. So they got like an alien ripoff in there, which is fantastic. Um, and like a couple others that are more like sci-fi themed, okay, less yeah, like yeah. straight horror genre. Um, so there's a lot of really cool stuff they're doing with this system, uh, which I think is fantastic. It's a great like way that has a lot of like exponential growth for whatever they want to do. And because everything is interchangeable, like you can come back and use like season one locations with like season two monsters or, or vice versa. And all the final girls that you get are all interchangeable as well. So whatever power you like or one you want to use, like you can do that. Do that through different scenarios. Yeah. I like that. Cool. Yeah. So there's a lot of really cool stuff with them. Uh, their booth was cool. They had um, all that stuff. They even had some old, I'm surprised they had some old hostage negotiator stuff because that game has been out for a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it's cool that they're still like doing that and supporting that as well. Uh, the next one that we saw uh, was a weird game for Vagrant Song. Yeah. So they had a game, they had a, they had a bunch of games there, but the main one that we were looking at uh, was Vagrant Song. It is a all versus, or kind of like a boss battle, I guess would be the way to describe say, yeah. it, yeah. Uh, where each of the players are trying to beat whatever this, this boss is. And in the game, you are kind of like paranormal, not really investigators, but like kind of adjacent people, yeah. um, where you are trying to like calm and soothe the spirits that are on this train. Right. The guy that was uh, demoing it was saying like, you're trying to teach them their humanity before you lose yours. Yeah. 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 Um, so it was really cool. There's a asymmetric player powers, which I always think are fantastic. Yep. Um, so each of the different ones, they play differently depending on what you choose. The bosses all have their own different powers that mm-hmm. they can do as well. Um, it looked pretty straightforward uh, as far as like the actual gameplay of it. it didn't seem too complicated, uh, but definitely a, a cool and interesting game. Um, the way that kind of like the interaction and the design space. Yeah. Um, seemed kind of something that I hadn't really seen before. So it was pretty cool. 
because it wasn't like a it didn't feel like an actual like battle game because right. you had like you know people there doing like entertainment things to try and give the humanity back to these spirits so yeah it looked really cool and exciting um that's one to maybe check out we didn't pick up a copy while we were there unfortunately there were just too many other things to buy <laughs> i was gonna say it's it, there was a lot of stuff yeah yeah the backpack will only hold so much uh <laughs> but yeah that one was really cool definitely one to check out um the next one that we were looking at uh actually has been out for a couple of years now because i remember seeing it at, at the last packs uh and that is from runaway parade games and that's fire tower we got to actually sit down and demo this one yep. um at their booth um it's it's competitive firefighting is a good way I don't know if firefighting. I think it's competitive fire starting. Yeah. <laughs> like <that's> a <laughs> it's a four player game, and each of you um, are uh, fire. You're in a fire tower, like out in the wilderness, right? So like wildfires, and there's a fire that starts in the middle between all of you. And basically, you do everything that you can to spread the fire to the other towers while protecting your own tower. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, really interesting concept. Um, a lot of fun to play. Uh, it, you basically have these little chunks of like orange plastic that represent the fire that you get to lay down and kind of, um, move across the board when it's your turn. Uh, there's a lot of, there's uh, cards you can play to change the wind direction. Um, you can set up like, um, fire, fire breaks. breaks. Yep. Um, you can place fire hawks, which <laughs> the guys always was always really excited when he was describing the fire hawk. Yeah. And yeah. he was like, yeah, because it's based off of this actual creature in Australia that actually picks up fire and starts fires to like hunt prey. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So what does it do in the game? And he was like, well, basically when it gets on fire, it'll take the fire somewhere else. And I was like, hey, that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, it was a really cool game uh, that uh, like I enjoyed it. It definitely is, is unique on the table. Yeah. Like yeah. you, you just don't, you don't see that anywhere else really um the, yeah the setup they had was really cool they had the game laid out and they had like a bowl of the fire chunks and they had like a light underneath them so it was yeah, like, like a little orange led like yeah <laughs> yeah so. So, so it really got everybody's attention when they were walking by it was also the most checked out game in the free play section yeah yeah I, it's it's pretty like straightforward there's not like a crazy amount of like specialty rules and stuff for it and i mean but it it, it was it was pretty cool i did like um I like that even when you were out of the game, you still had influence in the game. Like you still took a turn. It was different. Yes. But you basically were, were acting like the spirits of the forest. Like, <laughs> and you could do your own thing as far as like moving the fire and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of really cool stuff because if um, it was something like if you were able, you would, when you lost your tower, you were still not out. You could technically, you could technically still win. If you um, like, if you were able to eliminate everybody else or something like yeah, that, yeah. If, if you could, if you could get rid of everyone else on one turn, you yeah, would, yeah, 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 yeah. So um, there was that was really cool. It was a really cool game. I liked it. Their presentation was fantastic. Um, definitely one to check out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there was a couple of party games that we found uh, that I thought were really cool. Uh, we picked up one. Actually, we picked up both of these. Um, one of them we got as a gift for some friends of ours. Uh, the guys over at Cheer Up Games, um, he does a lot of, uh, in they're party games, right? So stuff to pull out, like when you're waiting before you get into something crunchy. Um, the first one that we got was the actual Cheer Up game. Um, and it's kind of like, uh, it was kind of like Cards Against Humanity, kind of like in that vein. 
yeah. um, where you had to like you had to like come up with these like you got like these cards that had words on all four sides, and you had to put two of them together to make a, uh, to make a phrase or a uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for like a term, and then you had to define it. But when you did, like there was another element where he could there was like a turn card where. Like the one that we got was yeah, but you have to do it in one of these accents: British nobility, uh, Russian yeah. spy, yeah. or something, right? So you had to deliver it that way. Um, it's definitely one of those for people that like to think on their feet uh, type of game. They had another one um, that he kind of showed us. I think he picked up, but it looks really good. It's called Swearments, um, and it's the same kind of thing. You have different words. You have to come up with your own profanity, um, and they have a regular version, then a not safe for work version. Um, in the game cheer up, there are some cards that are a little uh, more risque and they're labeled um, NSFG, not safe for grandma. So you can kind of take them out uh, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to play like kind of a more sanitized version of the game. Right. Um, so it was really cool. He gave us, gave us a demo and it was just, it looked like a fun game to try. Like, especially um, you're on game night and you're in between pulling out some big games. And you're waiting for people to show up. It's definitely a, a fun kind of like starter to get everybody loosened up and ready to play. Yeah. Uh, so we picked up that one. Uh, the other one that we picked up was the game of ham. Yeah. So in this one, the guy who was at the booth introducing it to people, he basically opened up with, you know, the worst part about cards against humanity. There aren't enough cards. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, all right, cool. I, I think you got me so far. Um, yeah, it's, it is basically a cards against humanity style game, like through and through that his whole design purpose was to fix some of the things about cards against humanity that people mm -hmm. don't like. Yeah. Uh, a lot of them are like the lack of options in cards, but as well as cards not working well together. Right. Right. Um, his goal was so that every single like category card will work with every single answer. card. Right. And they really did that. Well, yeah. like, I mean, yeah. it, it, you can't find one that doesn't fit. Yeah. Um, from what I mean, we haven't gone through all of them, but I suppose that we probably will here soon. The other part that I liked about this was it's the cards against humanity type game where somebody reads a prompt and then you give your answers and he, they choose which one that they like best. Um, but when they do that, you get points that you're used. Yeah. You have a game board that you're trying to move through. Um, so it kind of adds another element to it, which I really I, I thought that was really clever. Yeah. The way yeah. that they did it. Um, it looked like a lot of fun. Again, we'll put links in the description. You can go take a look at this. Uh, we picked one up um, as a gift for a friend of ours yeah. um, that we we thought they would really, really enjoy this. Um, but overall, just a well-designed game based in that uh, same kind of party, Cards Against Humanity sort of genre. Yeah. And then TNT Laser Works, one of the booths that we like to always stop by. They've been there every year that we've been there, and yep. I've bought stuff from them. Every year now, I'm on a streak. <laughs> Every year that we've been there. Every year that we've been there. <laughs> um, TNT Laserworks, uh, they do, wow, um, it looks like it's like a CNC shop kind of thing or a laser cutting shop um, where they do like plastic um, accessories. Yeah, I, I think guess. that's probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, like the, one of the first things that I got, one of the things that I absolutely love, when we are playing D&D &D here at the house, I, a lot of D&D &D spells are... Uh, Dis described with like an area of effect right yeah and it's like it's a 10 foot radius circle well they make a circle a little plastic circle that based on one inch grid yeah. right one inch is five feet um and you can just lay that down and see where the uh 
spell effect, spell effect would hit. And it's just like a thin like piece of plastic, and it's got marked on there how the size yep. that you need to use. They're fantastic. And I love that we play on, if we play on the TV, which we have in our table, we have a TV that we can display maps. When you lay them down and you're kind of looking at an angle, they glow. Yeah. Um, because they're like this neon green color. Um, really kind of, really, uh, really improves the combat, just kind of the visuals on it. Um, but they do all kinds of stuff. They do counters for Jesus, all kinds of games, whether you're like Warhammer or mini games or anything like that. Uh, they build different counters for keeping track of like hit points and stuff like that. Uh, I actually picked up this year a um, a measuring tool for yep. Warhammer for like kill team and whatnot. Um, that's got the different sizes. Like if you have some units move this far, some units move you know three inches. Some can move six. Some can shoot at six. Um, and it's basically a uh, just a, a little cutout piece that's got the different markers on each side for how long the sides are. And uh, this one was done in the, uh, it's got the Fleur de Lis on it, which is the symbol for the uh, Battle Sisters, which is the team that I'm really working on getting to the table. Um, really nice. Like, I mean, you get the one in the box if you buy, you know, one of the Kill Team boxes. And it's okay. And it's very Warhammer. But like, now I got my own. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, I feel a little special. Yeah, they do a lot of really cool stuff. I know you also picked up uh, a couple years ago the um, condition rings yes. as well from them yes um so like all your all your various conditions in D. now we have little rings we can throw on minis that make it nice and easy to keep track of who is affected with what right cursed paralyzed blinded you know all of you know they just got to find the ring and just kind of hang it on the mini and it works yeah. out real well okay so but they they do really good stuff it's really good quality stuff as well uh really nice people um you can tell like they just they enjoy what they do they enjoy making these kind of products you know, just as accessories for people. Yeah. Yeah. Great, right. Great time. <laughs> Give me accessories. So there you go. That was our PAX 2022. The people we saw, the places we got to go. I'm sure there's more that we are forgetting. Yeah. Just because it was, it, it's a lot in three days. Yeah. It it just is. I mean, we're, we're there usually from door open till door close. Um, but it's always a good time. We really do enjoy just the, this convention, especially um, just the location, the atmosphere. Um, yeah, it's a lot, a lot of really good times. If you are ever in the area in early December or can make the trip, we highly recommend this as one of the cons to come to. Uh, even if you're coming just to play games, right, and are not even looking for like the you know board game vendor side of it, their free play area is always huge. Uh, yeah, right. their library is massive. Pretty much any board game that you could want is there. Uh, even like classic board games, which we didn't get to do the Loop and Louie tournament this year. Um, but <laughs> that was on me. I missed that. I missed that. Uh, but hey, you know, we got to meet Tom Vassell. Yeah. Yeah. So that was cool. Uh, definitely really nice guy. Uh, we gave him one of our pins, which is probably on its way to a Miami landfill as we speak. But hey, who knows? Maybe he'll treasure it. <laughs> right? You don't know. You, the Dapper people could end up in the Dice Tower Network. Hey, the Dapper, our meeple has a nice hat. He likes nice hats. That's what I'm going to go with. Right. You know that was our end. Yeah. 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 Uh, but no, it was fantastic. It was good to meet um, like him. It was good to meet other developers and stuff like that. Good to meet other content creators. Like just I, I love that experience of being able to, you know, be a part of the community. Yeah. Um, and yeah. we love passing out our little pins because everyone loves our logo. It's I mean, it's a good logo. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it really is. Thanks, Shannon. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a really fun time. We enjoy it um i enjoy like the friendships that we've already made with like the guys from ba games you know stuff like that is is part of why we do this and part of what we enjoy about this 
So that's it. Um, and I think in honor of all the Warhammer 40k news, uh, we are going to let the orcs take us out. So the boss tells us to take the spot or the humans. But they don't know who he gets with the big spots and stuff. So we need a big shooter. Good thing for us, the truck has a fast shooter with plenty of daca. So he has a dust up, and we round the spiky boys, and use the brutal cunning to get the drops on him. Boss says we use our heads proper, but we just want to use a proper wah! Thanks everybody for listening. I've been Jim. And I'm Josh. Good night, everybody. Thanks everyone for sticking around and listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, let me ask you a favor. Follow us and leave us a like wherever you get your podcast. It really helps us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for The Dapper Meeple. On Twitter, our handle is at the Dapper Meeple, or email us at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table. <laughs>